Glory to God. Glory to God. Um, we'll just pray. Thank you, Father, for manifesting yourself to us in the resurrection of Jesus. Thank you for the word of life. Lord, let uh, the, the bite of the serpent, let the, the death that's in the world be uh, clearly put on display, crucified on the cross in our midst, Father. Let all the people that listen to this message, let all the people that are here, Lord, let their hearts behold the bite of death that's in the world. Let them see that death nailed to the cross. Let them see the blood running out of that death. Let them see that they're dead to the death that's in the world, Father. Father, let their whole spirit, souls, and bodies be healed, Lord. Let the word that's spoken today be health and healing to all their flesh. Let their flesh be put to rest. Let the fear be removed from their heart. And let the fruit of your spirit be perfected inside of them, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father that you've removed the reign of death from over us. Thank you, Father, that we're not under the, the kingdom of darkness. Thank you, Father, that we're under the reign of an indestructible life. And I just thank you, Lord, that you minister that indestructible life straight into people's hearts today, straight into their bedrooms, straight into their living rooms, straight into their hearts and minds, and that that word just uh, consume every remnant of sin and death from their bodies and from their lives. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Um, the name of the message is the work of God. I was going to call it destroying the works of the devil, because that's what we ultimately going to talk about. But then I thought, you know what? It's the work of God that destroys the work of the devil. So rather, we just call it the work of God. And so um, we'll look at 1 John, and we'll start with 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, and we'll read through... Um, I don't know, around verse 8 or so. Um, we'll see what happens. Verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us, knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Why can't the world know God? Because the world is filled with the carnal mind. It's not that God's preventing Himself from being known, but the carnal mind can't comprehend God. Right? It doesn't see that God is there. Right. And so the world doesn't acknowledge that we're the sons of God. How can it? It doesn't acknowledge God as father. Right. Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, Jesus, God, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in himself purifies himself, even as Jesus is pure. Now, listen. The context of uh, 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 the context there of being purified. It's talking about your heart being purified from fear. That's what it's talking about, right? It's not talking about that you might not say a bad word anymore, or that you'll never get frustrated again, or that you'll. Uh, it's not talking about your bad behavior. That's not the kind of purity we're talking about here, right? Now, listen. In case you don't know. If fear is removed from your heart, you will find your flesh going to rest. And as your flesh goes to rest, you'll find that the fruit of the flesh or the works of the flesh have no opportunity to come out of you. So yes, your flesh will also be healed from the fruit of death. 
but John's talking about the root of the thing. He's not talking about the outward part right now. So when he talks about us being purified, he's talking about our hearts being purified from fear. If you read into the next chapter of 1 John, he talks about love being perfected in our hearts. And what he means by that is the fear that was there has now been replaced by the love of God, right? He says our hearts will be purified even as Jesus is pure. Well, when, it, when, when John says Jesus is pure, he's talking about he's been raised from the dead, never to be able to die again. The death that come upon his body on the cross has been cleansed from his body and it can never come back to his body. So his body's been purified from death. So even as Jesus's body's been purified from death, we might not see our bodies yet purified from death, but we see him. And that gives us a certainty that our bodies will even be purified from death. And as we behold death, having been overcome in the body of his resurrection, that gives us a surety that we're going to see the same thing happening in us, right? And what that does is it purifies the fear that's in the world from death, from our hearts. That's what it means. So you don't make yourself pure. What it's saying is, the testimony that God has given in Jesus, which is the word of life, which is the word of a life that has overcome death in the flesh, that testimony will purify your heart from fear, even as Jesus believed that testimony, and it purified his body from the wound of death that came upon him at the cross. Hallelujah. Right? The sting of death is not just that it can sting your body with physical death. That is also the sting of death. But the sting of death is it comes to sting your heart with fear. And the, the death is what it's used to sting your heart with fear. Well, if you can now behold the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, and see that he's been purified from the sting of death, his body's been cleansed from the wound of death, he's been sanctified from the death that's in the world, and you can see that's the same thing that's coming for you, and nothing can stop that from manifesting in you, your heart will be healed from fear. Right? That's what John's talking about there. God's after healing your heart from fear. That's what he's after. You keep thinking he wants you to go pick the bad fruit out of your life. But Jesus said he'd come to take an ax to the root. I don't know how many times I said that. He didn't come to pick the bad fruit off your tree. Jesus himself said, I, I didn't come to make clean the outside of the cup. Right? I came to make clean the inside of the cup. Right? What is he talking about making clean the inside of the cup? He's talking about your heart having been stung with fear through the death that entered the world through Adam. That's what he's talking about. So, right? If you see something in your life that you don't like, that you think isn't the fruit of life, listen, man, recognize the root of the tree. Don't condemn yourself over the fruit you might see, but recognize the root of the problem is fear. Okay, then start talking with God about your heart being healed from the fear that's in the world. And how he did that. And you will find the love of God perfected in your heart. Right. Does that make any sense? Okay. Every man that has this hope in himself, this certainty in himself is purified by that certainty, even as Jesus was purified from death. Whosoever commits sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. 
And you know that he was manifested to take away our sin. And in him is no sin. You could just as easily say it this way. And you know that Jesus was manifested to take away your death. And in him is no death. You could just as easily translate it that way. And it helps you to see what it's talking about. That's what Paul said. Likewise, reckon yourselves to be dead to sin. Meaning, just as Jesus was raised from the dead, never to be able to die again. Right? That's what it means that there's no sin in him. There's no death there. And death can never come back. Hallelujah. That's why I won't get no stints. Because I've been purified from death. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> don't, don't, make a don't make a principle out of what I just said. Um, we're having a conversation in Bible study. What do they say? It's an inside joke. And you know, I already read that part. Whosoever abideth in Jesus sinneth not. Whosoever abideth in Jesus has been sanctified from death. They've been cleansed. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that does righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's the part we're going to focus in on. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Okay? So John says, the Son of God was manifested in the earth for the intent of destroying the works of the devil. Now, how does he destroy the works of the devil? And what does it look like to destroy the works of the devil? Well, when, when John, we want to make this real clear. Um, man, my mom's not here today. I'm so sorry. Oh, you are. Well, she never came to the Bible study. It's a hallelujah. Well, maybe I do need more blood to my brain, huh? <laughs> man. When we were bad and when we were young and we were, we were criminals. Well, you could say a, a number of different things. We, we took on the mantra that the easiest way to get away with all of our uh, scandalous activity was to do it blatantly in broad daylight. And that somehow people struggle to see it. If you do it blatantly, when we're trying to hide and do it all secretly, that's when we got caught. Right. But when we were just like blatant right out, man, it was like no one ever saw. <laughs> Kids, if you're watching at home, I'm not encouraging you to do any crime. It, it, crime doesn't doesn't pay. It tormented my life. It destroyed my life. The only reason I can laugh now is because I see that God has conquered the destruction that came upon me. Um, man, she's sitting right there in front of my face, my own mother. <laughs> And you guys are thinking, this is the guy that's preaching today? It's not what we were thinking. If this guy can't see his own mom in the room, can he see Jesus? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> no, no, I, I kid, man. This thing blessed me. I, I know I see uh, Jesus. Um, but I can also be silly. Um, I'm not always so serious. So John, John says the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. 
Now, when John talks about the Son of God being manifested, he's not talking about when Jesus was born of Mary. Although Jesus was the Son of God when he was born of Mary then. When John talks about the Son of God being manifested, what he's talking about there is the Father having brought Jesus forth from the grave in glorified immortal flesh, never to be able to die or be touched by weakness again. If you remember, John begins his letter, that which was from the beginning, the word of eternal life, the life that was manifested when God said, let there be light. Remember, in him was life and the light was the light of men. And so John begins with saying that which was from the beginning, which we have seen, which we have heard, which we have touched. Remember, Jesus said, touch me. A spirit doesn't have flesh and bone. And so John's saying we, the resurrected Jesus was brought forth by the Father and glorified immortal flesh. We touched him. We held him. We ate with him. Right? So when John's talking about the, the Son of God being manifested in our midst, he's talking about that. The Father bringing him forth out of the grave, clothed in glorified immortal flesh. That's what he's talking about when he says the Son of God was manifested. Now, how does that destroy the works of the devil? How does that destroy the works of the devil? Amen. We can end the whole message now. It takes away the fear of death. But as you guys know, I like to, you know, go into great detail. And, and paint a uh, big picture. Um, it's like, I love how Jesus said, uh, you're no longer going to be in the dark concerning what my Father does. Because you are our friends. And just as I know what my Father's doing, so you will know what He's doing. Right? And so how does the Father destroy the works of the devil? If you read, uh, Jesus says in John, 844, that the devil was a murderer from the beginning. He says the devil was a murderer from the beginning. So remember, we're talking about the working of the devil. What is the devil trying to do? What does the devil want to do? Right? What was the devil trying to do to Adam? Adam is a picture of mankind. What is he also wanting to do to us? What is he trying to do to us? And what did God do to destroy that thing and to fill us with something that overcomes it? Remember Revelation 12 says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Speaking of, the working are the works of the devil. So Jesus says in John 8, 44, The devil was a murderer from the beginning. So the devil wants to uncover death in your sight, so he could sting your heart with fear. That's what he wants to do. He wants to uncover death in your sight so he can sting your heart with fear. He wants to stain your conscience with the life that is perishable and full of death and destruction so that he can fill your hearts with fear and cause you to take upon yourself the burden of manifesting life. He ultimately wants you to carry upon yourself the burden of manifesting life because he knows God's the only one who has life. He knows God's the only one who has life in himself. And he knows in the day you are taken captive to trying to manifest life yourself, then your body is going to be decorated in the fruit of his death. That's what he knows. And he sees the power to take you captive to taking the burden of manifesting life onto yourself. He says the power to take you captive to that is by uncovering death in your sight. Look at this. He knows that's the power. First John says, those who reject the word of life 
that manifest it in the body of Jesus' resurrection are walking in darkness. That's what it says. Those who have received the testimony that God gave in the resurrection of Jesus, it says they're walking in the light even as Jesus is in the light. And so those who have rejected the word of life that was manifested in the body of Jesus' resurrection, they're walking in darkness. That means their eye is sick. Their eye is diseased. And guys, just like I said in the Bible study, the, the eye, when I, when I use the word eye today, I'm not talking about your physical eyes that may be blue or brown or hazel or yellow. I don't know. <laughs> I'm running out of all the colors. <laughs> I'm not talking about your physical eye when I talk about the eye. What I'm talking about is the eye of your understanding. I'm talking about the sight that you have in your heart, right? Because you see through your heart. You see through your understanding, right? And so the, the, the devil wants to make your eye sick, right? He wants to fill it with darkness. Jesus come and said in, in Matthew chapter 6 that if your eye be sick, if your eye is diseased, he wasn't talking about these eyes. He was talking about the eye of your understanding, your sight that, from your heart. If it be sick, then your whole body will be covered in darkness, is what he says there. So the devil wants to make your eye sick. He wants to make it diseased so that your whole body can be decorated or becomes decorated in the fruit of his death. That's what he's trying to do. And the way that he tries to make your eyes sick, the way he wants to make your understanding diseased, the way that he wants to make your sight diseased is by filling your eye or filling your sight with the death that's in the world. That's what he wants to do. That's how he does it. You notice when Jesus was on the death of, on the cross and he was dying on the cross, you notice how it says that the darkness descended? And so death and darkness are interchangeable. And so walking in darkness means to be walking in death. It means for your eye or your understanding to be filled with the death that's in the world instead of the light of the life that manifested in the body of Jesus' resurrection. That's what it means. So that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to come and uncover death in your sight so that your eye is made sick and so that your heart is filled with the death that's in the world. Because that will make you full of darkness or it will cover your body in the fruit of his death. That's what he's after trying to do, right? So he wants to, get, he wants to use the, the death and the tribulation in the world and he wants to sting your hearts with fear with the injustices that are going on in the world around you. He wants to sting your heart with that so that he can darken your understanding with the carnal mind, Right? He wants to darken your understanding with the carnal mind. That's how he would make your eyes sick, right? He darkens the eyes of your understanding with the death so that through that he can give birth to the carnal mind in you. Now, why does he want to give birth to the carnal mind in you? And what does it do to you if the carnal mind is born in you? Well, the Apostle Paul would come and say that the carnal mind cannot comprehend God. The carnal mind can't comprehend God. He says that the thoughts of the carnal mind, the things that the carnal mind thinks, are contrary or at odds with the thoughts of God. That's what it means. And, you know, we've been so steeped in religion that we think that means, oh, well, the carnal mind wants to do evil, but God wants to do good. 
I mean, I don't know. I guess way down the road, you could say that that might be true to some degree, but that's an oversimplification that completely misses the point. You guys, you guys have to forgive me because somebody in South Africa, these dear people that are part of Birdie's Church, Dynamic Love Ministries, and they watch our videos, at the end of one of my small clips, I, I, you know how I get all fired up. And then I'm like, hallelujah. And so they messaged me and asked me if they could cut that out and send it, send it back and forth amongst each other because they thought it was funny. And I was like, yes, that's funny. Hallelujah. And so I posted it. And so I've watched it like a million times and it makes me laugh. So if I do that a lot today, please forgive me. Okay. Please have mercy on my soul. So why does the devil, why does the devil, why does the devil want to give birth to the carnal mind in us? Paul says the carnal mind can't comprehend God. Right. And he says that the thoughts of the carnal mind are at odds with God's own thoughts. And we'll just give a quick example of what that would look like so we can wrap our heads around it real good. When, Adam, when Adam's nakedness was uncovered in the garden, the carnal mind told him God abandoned him. When God's thoughts were filled with seeking Adam out and clothing upon his nakedness. Do you see how those two thoughts were contrary to one another? Right? The carnal mind couldn't comprehend that God was there with Adam to clothe upon Adam's nakedness with the robe of his own life. He, the carnal mind couldn't comprehend that the promise wasn't made void, that God would now provide himself as the lamb to cleanse or remove the body of death from Adam and so that he could clothe upon Adam with the robe of his incorruptible life. Adam couldn't comprehend that when his nakedness was uncovered in the garden. The only thing he could comprehend was his nakedness. The only thing he could think of was his nakedness, right? And so that was at odds with what God was thinking. The carnal mind said, God's abandoned you, bro. What you gonna do? Well, here comes the fear the moment you think God's abandoned you. Right? But God's thoughts were filled with, where's my man? And you see that in the scriptures. God's thoughts were filled with seeking Adam out and clothing upon him with life. So the carnal mind cannot comprehend that God is with you to shepherd your life. It makes it to where a person cannot comprehend that God has taken thought of them and God has taken thought to care for their life above all they could ask or think. Like, you know, the moment that the world tries to uncover my nakedness by pointing to some death in my life or some corruption around me, the moment the world tries to do that, do you know what happens inside of me? I comprehend that God is with me. I comprehend immediately that the Father has taken thought of my life and the Father has taken thought of caring for my life exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask or think. And immediately my mind is filled with what the Father has done to destroy the body of death and to overcome death in the flesh right and immediately love is perfected in my heart immediately the fear that's trying to come to me over my nakedness being uncovered is circumcised from my heart it's removed far from me and now the love of god is being perfected in my heart meaning my heart is being flooded with peace and love and joy and meekness and patience and kindness right so if the death in the world comes knocking at my door the love of god will produce great patience in me because i'll see i have a certainty of this death this body of death being overcome and nothing can keep it from me hallelujah 
And then that's how I could say nothing can separate my heart from the love of God. The fear that's in the world can't get into my heart any longer because I've seen God manifested in the flesh. And he didn't just manifest himself inside of any flesh, but it was inside the same kind of flesh that I had that was dying. And when he manifested himself inside of dying flesh, I see that God worked that death out of the flesh, never to be able to die again. Hallelujah. And I see that's what's in me. And I see God's with me to shepherd me in that kind of a life. And fear is far removed from you. Hallelujah. Right? (laughs) That's when you're filled with great boldness, even in the face of certain death. You want to know why the apostles were filled with great boldness in the face of certain death? It's because the spirit of an incorruptible life was poured out into them. And they began to see that death was disarmed. And so there was no fear in them. Oh, you're going to kill me if I preach the gospel? Hallelujah. (laughs) Right? You counted great joy. Your mind's so filled with the gospel. Hallelujah. The carnal mind is earthy. Is the way the scriptures would describe it. It's, uh, it reasons from the place of a dust life. It reasons from the place of the life that's in the world, that's subject to the wind blowing, that's subject to disasters and destruction. That's the place that it reasons from. It reasons from a life that is subject to corruption. And because it's reasoning from the life that's in the world, the only thing that it can comprehend is the death and the tribulation that it sees. It can't see the light. It doesn't see God manifested in the flesh. All it sees is the death and tribulation in the world and the fear that it feels. That's the only thing that it can feel when you're talking about the carnal mind. The carnal mind is a mind that's so captivated with the fear of death that it leaves a person in the place where all they can think is about is their own working to gather life to themselves. Adam, when he was... His nakedness was uncovered in the garden. His mind wasn't filled with the work of God because he didn't comprehend the work of God, right? His mind wasn't filled with that. You know what his mind was filled with? His own working to clothe himself with life because all he could see was the death and darkness that had enveloped him. And so it left him in the place where his conscience was filled with his own labors to try to gather life to himself. The carnal mind won't comprehend the work of God. And I promise you, if your mind doesn't comprehend the work of God, then you're going to be left filled with your own working. That's what you're going to be left with. It's not even like you make an intellectual choice to decide to do that. Adam didn't go reason on the chalkboard and think, well, I think what I'll do now is try and clothe myself. I mean, we're talking like real time. You know what I'm saying? I mean, these things happened to him in real time. The devil uncovered death in his sight. He saw his nakedness and straight away his heart was stung with fear because all he could see was the death and the darkness that enveloped him. And straight away when his heart was stung with fear, he was taken captive by the fear of death and he immediately tried to gather life to himself. He immediately took the burden of manifesting life onto himself. Right? If you look, and and, you know, Since we're talking about Adam and Eve, I love talking about Adam and Jesus and explaining the whole gospel because those are easy pictures. Most people can't argue about what happened with Adam. 
and what happened with Jesus. And then you can just explain the gospel through those pictures. But if you look at Adam in the garden, it's a, it's a, it paints a picture of the works of the devil. Because the devil uncovered Adam's nakedness in the garden. It wasn't God that uncovered Adam's nakedness. If you remember, God came and asked Adam, who told you you were naked? So we know it wasn't God that uncovered Adam's nakedness. God can't be the one who clothes and the one who uncovers. Right? Jesus said a house divided against itself can't stand. And so the uncovering of a person's nakedness, when I talk about the uncovering of nakedness, for people that don't know my terms or that haven't been listening, the uncovering of a person's nakedness is what happens when their eye, the eye of their understanding, is filled with the death they see all around them. That's what happens. That's the uncovering of the nakedness. I'm going to say that again slow. The the uncovering of a person's nakedness is what happens when the eye of their understanding is filled with the death they see all around them. That's the uncovering of the nakedness. When Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what happened was, is it stained his conscience with the death that he saw all around him, right? Immediately, his eyes were opened and he saw he wasn't clothed in life and his conscience became stained with the death he saw in himself and all around him. And then that stung his heart with fear. Adam was filled with fear at the thought of death. That's why he was filled with fear. You can go read the scriptures. He was filled with fear, it says. And he was filled with fear at the thought of death and what can happen to my life. Have you ever felt that? What's going to happen to my life? Every human has felt that. What's going to happen to my life? Right? And so Adam was filled with fear because he was thinking, what's going to happen to my life? He saw the death all around him. He saw his nakedness. He saw he wasn't clothed with life, and that stung his heart with fear. And what it did was it gave birth to the carnal mind in him. He couldn't comprehend God with him there anymore. When he thought of what's going to happen to my life, he didn't see God manifested in the flesh. He didn't see God was there with him to clothe upon him. So he couldn't comprehend God anymore. He couldn't comprehend anything. He was enveloped by the darkness of the death that was all around him. Just like Jesus was enveloped by the darkness of the death of the cross when he was on the cross. But you know what? Jesus could comprehend God there with him. He is God. He saw that he was in the Father and the Father was in him. And so fear couldn't sting his heart. He didn't have the spirit of fear, as Paul would say in Romans, but he had the spirit of adoption, whereby he saw that the Father would prove his sonship by raising him from the grave and glorified immortal flesh. Hallelujah. Right? So Adam, he couldn't see God was with him to be the Father that he needed when he saw his nakedness. He couldn't see the life that was in the Father. All he could see was the death he saw all around him. He couldn't comprehend the Father's love for him, that the Father wouldn't suffer him to see corruption. He couldn't comprehend that. He couldn't comprehend that the Father was with him to clothe upon his nakedness with the robe of his own life. Right? Because the serpent was able to uncover death in his sight, and then the eye of his understanding became darkened by that death. And then that stung his heart with fear. And that gave birth to the carnal mind in him where all he could think of at that point wasn't the work of God or the work God would do or the work God hath done. But his mind could only think of his own working to gather life to himself. And that's the handiwork of the devil. Adam means man. You want to know 
I, we, I, I come from so many different Christian movements. Charismania, like the devil's behind every stone. You got a flat tire, it's the devil. It's the work of the devil, right? You got laid off from your job, it's the devil coming to get you, right? The, <laughs> the breaker wasn't working this morning, man. 20 years ago, I would have come in and been, it's the devil here. <laughs> every bad thing that could happen it's the devil i mean i guess if you want to say the devil brought forth death in the earth way back when and then that death can make oh okay but that's a a whole lot of degrees you got you got to get through right that thing i just described with what happened with adam that's what the prince of this world tries to do to every human being and that's how he tries to do it to them that's it that's what he does. That's the handiwork of the devil. I just described to you his whole playbook. You know, like in the NFL, people got upset because they thought the Patriots were at the Super Bowl stealing people's plays and stuff with their video cameras. Listen, man, the, the father has videotaped the devil's playbook and he has unveiled it to all of us so that we know the plays before he calls them. Right? And he doesn't just say, well, here's the playbook. Now you implement a defense. He shows us the playbook so we know the play before it happens. But then he shows us how he implemented a defense. Hallelujah. You see what I'm saying, man? It's like a player's dream. You know the play before it's called? And the coach implemented the defense? Hallelujah. So 1 John says, God destroys the work of the devil by purifying our hearts from fear. Some of you are like, where's that verse? Guys, I'm quoting the context of the letter, right? He, John talks about destroying the works of the devil, and then in, in, in chapter 4, he goes into how God purifies our hearts from fear. And so one of the things that would help you when you read the scriptures is to read it without the chapters and the verses. So you could see the whole letter in one context. Instead of having it broken up in your head over and over and over and over and over again. In fact, one of the most beautiful things I see the Spirit of God has done in me by showing me the Word made flesh is He's brought all the Scriptures together as one. Right? It's like all the Scriptures has bled into one. And it's so much easier to see what's being said there when they all bleed into one. And you see the, the painting that it's picturing. So 1 John says, God destroys the works of the devil by purifying our hearts from fear. And then he says... The way that he purifies our hearts from fear, the way God purifies our hearts from fear, is by manifesting the Son of God in our midst. That's how he does it. He manifests the Son of God in our midst. So, like I just said, God sees the playbook of the serpent. And so God sees, this is God watching us and watching the thing the devil tried to do to us the working that the devil tried to do to us. God sees it. And what he sees there is that the fear that is tormenting us is because of the death and the tribulation um, that's in the world and the death that found an opportunity to manifest itself in our bodies. He sees that's the, where the fear that's tormenting us comes from. And so God is like, I see the play. I see what they dialed up. Yo, <laughs> God's a real person, man. I promise you, you think God is like some stoic monk that hum, hum, hum. I got a funny meme. I used to be into breakdancing. I got a funny meme of Jesus where he's breakdancing, right? In the middle of a bunch of breakdancers. 
And but the, the scripture from John is in there. The son of man didn't come to uh, be served. He came to serve. And for those of you who don't know anything about breakdancing, that's what you would say if you like uh, breakdanced in a way that the other person couldn't match. You served them, right? <laughs> and so I got this funny meme of Jesus breakdancing. And John says, the son of man didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And he's doing this awesome breakdance move. Listen, I got another one with Jesus where he's wearing a DJ uh, headphone and he's got records right there. And, and it says, watch why I drop these fresh beats. <laughs> Listen, man, God, God, God is a real person that you could talk with and have a laugh with and find your imagination captivated with him. Right. He's not the stoic thing that we've been taught about. Right. He's full of joy. And so God sees what, what, the, what the devil's doing to us, and he sees that the, the fear that's tormenting us is, is because of the death that's in the world and the death that found an opportunity to manifest in our bodies. And what God says, he says, if I can prepare myself a body, if I can prepare myself a body, the psalmist, speaking from the spirit of the son, said, I come in the volume of the book that, that is, is written of me, you prepared a body for me, O Lord. Sacrifices and offerings you did not desire. Jesus is quoted in Hebrews as saying, a body you have prepared for me that we might cleanse the conscience of our people from the death that's in the world and the fear of death that's taken them captive. And so God saw the fear that was tormenting us and taking us captive. He saw that it came from death. And what he said is, if I can prepare myself a body and take the death that's in the world into that body, and then that death can fully manifest and do the worst thing that it can do inside of that body. Guys, the worst thing that death could ever do to you, we see it on display in the man Jesus nailed to the cross. The death in this world can never do something worse to you than what you see manifested there. That's the worst. That's God taking that death into his body in the midst of the world so we could see the fullness of that death come upon his body and we could see it do the worst thing that it can do. And then God says, if I can manifest my life in that same body and then consume that death that was in that body to the point that there's no longer a remnant any longer of that death anywhere and that body is now glorified with immortal flesh. And we can do that in the midst of the world. It will abolish death in the sight of our people. It will destroy the body of death in the eyes of our people. And the sting of death, the sting of fear will be removed from them. And the carnal mind will be cast down from them because we'll be manifested right there in their midst. Just as Adam couldn't comprehend that we were there with him, the world couldn't comprehend that we were there with them because of the darkness of the death that enveloped them. If we can consume that death inside of a body right there in their midst, man, they'll see that they're not a lamb being led away to the slaughter, but they'll see that we're there with them, shepherding them, shepherding them with our life. And their hearts will be flooded with love. Love will be perfected in their hearts, meaning it will squeeze out every remnant of fear because it will have cleansed our hearts from the death we see in the world. The eye of our understanding will no longer be filled with death, but the eye of our understanding will have been enlightened by God manifested in the flesh. You'll see God's your David. And you'll see how he slew the giant of death in your midst. And you, when the giant of death is yelling over at you saying, if you really are the people of God, if you really are the children of God, then cover yourself with life. 
Get this death out of the way. We'll no longer be looking at our nakedness and thinking that we're full of fear and shame. We'll behold God manifested in the flesh as our David, destroying the body of death. Hallelujah. Mm. You guys get that? That's God destroying... That's God destroying the works of the devil. Right there. Listen, guys. It's like we've heard that the love of God is found over there. And lo, it's over there. And lo, it's here. If you can get a new house, if you can get a car, if your children can act right, if your spouse can act right, if you can act right, lo, there's the love of God. I promise you, the world has got us looking everywhere for the love of God other than where it actually is. The love of God is found in what God's done in Christ to condemn death in the flesh. That's where it's found. That's where it's found. Rather, that's where it will find you. <laughs> right? First John says God is love. I think we forget by the time we get down to First John, God is love. And I don't fault us for having a, what do I want to say, uh, an infant mind about God is love, where the first thing we connect to is the love that's in the world. And we just think of it in that sense. But John just finished talking about what the Father had done through the Son when he says God is love. And so when John says God is love, what he's saying is, is that within God is the kind of love that can perfect your heart from fear. And what he's specifically talking about when he says God there God is love. He's saying God is love was manifested in Jesus. What he's talking about there was manifested in the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. He's saying God is love was manifested in the Father raising Jesus from the dead, having put off of him the body of death and having clothed upon him with glorified immortal flesh. He's saying within that is the love of God. That's what he's talking about there. He says, truly our intimacy is with the Son. The life that manifested in Him is a light unto us. And it has shined a light on the truth that the Father is with us. And that has now given us intimacy with the Father by what He done through the Son. And in that thing is love. 1 Timothy, speaking of the resurrection, says it this way. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. So God was manifest in the flesh. So God, manifested in the flesh, is love. You want to know where you'll find the love that you long for? Inside of what God did to manifest himself in the flesh. Why do you think I preach the word of life so much? Why do you think I preach about the life that overcome death? Because within that is the love of God. Within that is the peace and the love and the joy that will keep your heart from fear, that will destroy the works of the devil. It will cause you to always comprehend God with you. In the moment that the devil comes to uncover your nakedness by trying to fill your eye with the death that's in the world, immediately your eye will be single and it will see the Father manifested in the flesh conquering death. Hallelujah! You'll see Him and you'll know that when He appears, you'll be the same as Him. <laughs> Hallelujah! What death, man! Right? Does that make any sense? I just want to connect all these scriptures because it helps people. The Apostle Paul. You know, him and John talk a lot of the same things. 
they use different wording. And so sometimes we struggle to seek the connection. Um, so the Apostle Paul, he comes at this same thing that John describes about the destroying the works of the devil. He comes at it from a little bit different of an angle in his letter to the Romans. But if you look at the latter part of, of Romans 7, Paul describes what the works of the devil looks like in a person's life. If you go read the end of Romans 7, he, he actually describes the Adam experience in Genesis. You know, if Paul stopped every time he was explaining the Old Testament and said, I'm now explaining to you what this verse was talking about. It's like they said about Jesus. If we wrote down every miracle he did, we, we couldn't even fill it in books. If we stopped every time Paul was explaining the Old Testament scriptures and put in there what it was, we would never get through his letters. But if you look at the latter part of Romans 7, Paul, um, he describes the body of death. And he talks about the condemnation that it worked in him. Right? And, and then what he does is, is he, he describes how God destroyed the work of the devil by destroying the body of death in the resurrection of Jesus. That, that, that's actually what he describes when he says, who shall save me from this body of death? What he's talking about is his sight being filled with the death that was in his body and the fruit of death that was all around him. He's talking about his nakedness being uncovered. And then he goes on to describe how God destroyed the works of the devil by destroying the body of death in the resurrection of Jesus. That's why he says, I thank God for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, for it has made me free from the law of sin and death. And just to explain what he's saying there, because again, we, we get to just reading verse, 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 and we don't, we don't stop and talk with God about what is this verse communicating? What is Paul experiencing? What was this like in real time for Paul? Is this just an academic exercise Paul's doing where he writes this stuff down? Is it like Webster's Dictionary? Or is Paul describing a very real thing that he played out in his life? What would it sound like if Paul could tell you it? And so Paul, what he's saying there is, man, when I was tormented by the death that was manifesting in my body and in the world around me, God did what the law couldn't do. What he did was he came and destroyed the body of death. He came and he condemned the death that was working condemnation in me but through the body of Jesus' resurrection. That's what he says when I thank God for the law of the spirit of life because it saved me from the law of sin and death. The fear that was tormenting me because of the death I saw, this body of death, who shall save me from this body of death? Who shall save me from this body that isn't clothed with life and that only bears the fruit of death every time it tries to be clothed upon? Who shall save me from that? He says God saw him when he was being tormented and God showed up and did what the law couldn't do. He condemned death in the flesh. He incarnated himself into the body that was dying. And then he let the blood run out of that body that was dying. And then he raised up a new body that could never die again. And Paul says that destroyed the body of death in the resurrection. Hallelujah. So Paul's describing how his eye was sick. That's what he's talking about there. He's talking about how his eye was made sick by the body of death that he saw, by the death he saw all around him, just like Jesus said it, if your eye be sick. 
then your whole body will be covered in darkness. Paul is describing how his eye was made sick because his understanding was filled with the death he saw all around him. And he saw that he was trying to labor to clothe upon himself with life. And he saw the more he tried to take upon himself the burden of manifesting life, the more he found himself being covered in darkness. The more he found himself being decorated in the fruit of death. Oh, wretched man that I am. Right? He's given voice to what the carnal mind did inside of him. And so he comes and says, Whereas before, my eye was sick, and I couldn't comprehend that God was with me to clothe upon me with his life. All I could see was the death and the fruit of death all around me. Now my eye can only see God manifested in the flesh. That's all he could see now. He says, before all I could see was the death all around me. And I couldn't comprehend that God was with me. But then God manifested himself in the flesh, in the resurrection of Jesus. And now what happened is, is my eye had become single, just like Jesus said. And if your eye be single, then how great will the light be that covers your whole body? And Paul says, now my eye has become single because God manifested himself in the resurrection of Jesus. He took the death that was in my flesh that I was so afraid of, and he showed me how he has a life in himself that can even remove that death and give me a body that can never die again. And now my eye has become single. I no longer see the death all around me, but all I see is the light of his life. (laughs) I comprehend God. I can comprehend God now. Just as Adam comprehended God after God showed up and clothed him, God drew near to me when all I could see was my body of death and my eye was sick, and he clothed upon me in the resurrection of Jesus. Mm. Paul says, Whereas my heart was once filled with fear, the love of God has been perfected in my heart. That's why he goes on to say, nothing can separate me from the love of God. He's talking about his heart being stung with fear. And he says, where is before? Peril and sword and shipwreck and drowning and being stoned and left for dead. Where is before? Those things could sting my heart with death. And all I could see was that death. Listen, man, I no longer find fear coming into my heart because none of those things can separate me from the love of God because my heart's been purified from the fear of death. Because I have a certainty that as Jesus is now, so am I in this world. Possessing an incorruptible seed that will even clothe upon this mortal body with an unmortal body, immortal body. You see that? That's why when Paul said, nothing can separate me from the love of God. He's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Whereas death could torment him with fear before, Now, death can't torment him with fear because his mind isn't filled with the death. His mind is filled with the God that overcome death in the flesh. You see? Paul's comparing and contrasting the same thing 1 John is with fear and love. That's the same thing. He's, He's talking about what God did to purify his heart from fear. And he's talking about what worked fear in him. And he says, God came, he says, the law could never remove fear from my heart. And you know what? I was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. Of the righteousness that was contained in working the law, I was blameless. And you know what? That law never removed fear from my heart. And God come and did what the law couldn't do by condemning death in the flesh. And now that 
has removed the fear from my heart. And even when I come upon death and I'm shipwrecked and floating in the ocean and they stone me to death and leave me for dead, none of that thing can sting my heart with fear anymore because I have a certainty, I have the hope of a glorified immortal body. And I see that having manifested in God when he come out of the grave in glorified flesh. Hallelujah. That which is perfect has been born in my heart. Do you know what it means? That which is perfect, the love of God being perfected in your heart. That which is perfect has been born in my heart, Paul says. The thing that will never fail me, which is the love of God, which is the fruit of his spirit that's contained in his life, that never fails me in the midst of encountering death. It's the same thing that he says in 1 Corinthians when he says, love never fails. He's talking about the love of God will never fail you. All these other gifts will fail you. But when you're nailed to a tree and your fear is coming against you and the fear of death is coming to your house to try to sting your heart, Paul comes and says, listen, man, the love of God has been perfected in my heart and it keeps my heart from that fear for I have a certainty that death has been overcome even in the flesh. That's why he says love never fails. You see, so much of the Christian church is so caught up in the gifts, the gifts, the gifts, the gifts, the gifts, the gifts, the gifts. I promise you, when that's your mindset, next thing you know, you're busy with yourself and you ain't busy with God. You're busy with your own ability and you call it the gifts. And out of your whole teaching, you'll never once even talk about death being overcome in the flesh. Because that's elementary. We got to move that to the side. It's the only thing. That's why he gives that dissertation. This love that I'm talking about, that's found within the word of a life that overcomes death in the flesh, that will never fail you when death comes to your house. (laughs) Mm. First John, we'll finish with this. Thank you guys so much for letting me preach. I get to meditate on the word of life and I could just feel its health and healing for every part of me, right? What a great blessing that you guys come and share in this with me and I can't say how thankful I am for it. First John talks about people walking in darkness because their hearts and minds aren't filled with an incorruptible life. And their hearts and their minds aren't filled with the testimony that God has given them his incorruptible life freely in Jesus. He, 1 John talks about people like that. Now we talk, he's talking about, specifically in that letter, people that have flat out rejected Jesus. But what I want to say is that my heart breaks for the church. Because not this church, but the church worldwide, because 90% of the church haven't rejected Jesus, and they're still walking in the darkness their hearts and their minds still aren't filled with the word of an incorruptible life. Their hearts and their minds are filled with the life that is but dust. Their hearts and their minds are filled with the life that's in the world. And because their hearts and their minds are filled with the life that's in the world, all they can think about is how they're going to manifest life themselves in all the things we need to do so we can manifest life. Instead of seeing God was manifested in the flesh. Do you know what it means that God was manifested in the flesh? It means that life was manifested in the flesh by God's doing. (laughs) 
that's supposed to show you that he's taken the burden of manifesting life onto himself. And now let your mind be filled with what he's done to manifest life in your flesh. But God has an incorruptible seed in himself that overcame the death in the world and even overcame death in our physical bodies. And he has freely dispersed that seed in Jesus. Nothing makes me more, it makes me sad for anybody to be tormented by the darkness. But for the church, where the large majority of them, I mean, I guess there's some people that maybe didn't really believe, but the large majority of the church has really believed. And they don't even know they have an incorruptible seed in them. And they don't even think about what that means. We have the seed of an incorruptible life abiding and dwelling in us now. We're not trying to get life to manifest. That which makes life manifest is already in us. Let us acknowledge the incorruptible seed that's in us instead of the corruptible seed that the devil planted in the world. Oh, man. And so if you find yourself walking in this world, feeling fear and anxiety, the first thing I want to say is there's no shame for you. It just means you haven't been reminded, right? And I said this in the Bible study, it's actually an indictment on us, the ministers. And I don't mean condemnation like it would come from the devil, but I mean it indicts the word we preach every Sunday because every Sunday is meant to remind people of the incorruptible seed they have so that their eye could remain single instead of being made sick and diseased with the life that's in the world, right? And so on behalf of all the ministers everywhere, man, I'm sorry. And what I want to say is even the large majority of ministers that get it wrong, they want to get it right, right? And so, man, I just believe the Spirit of God is raising up shepherds right now all over the world. And that he's take, just like he's, he's taken it upon himself to manifest life in us, he's taken it upon himself to fill out his body and to serve his body with what they need. He will shepherd us. But if you find yourself feeling fear and anxiety over the tribulation in the world, if you find yourself fearful of the death in the earth and whether it will come upon you or your family, the answer for you isn't for you to sit around and think about that. <laughs> the answer isn't for you to try to devise all the different ways that you can stop that from happening. The answer is for your heart and mind to be set on the indestructible life God has in himself that was manifested in the body of Jesus' resurrection. That's what will purify your heart from the fear of what could come upon you or what could come upon your family. The life that was manifested in the body of Jesus' resurrection. Even as he is pure, having put off the body of death, if your heart and your mind get set on him, that will make your heart pure. You won't see any, any death in his flesh. And do you know what it will con convince you of? Your life is kept from death. And that will purify your heart from fear. You know, God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You know what he anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth to do? To baptize you with a life that is as a fire that consumes death to the uttermost, never ceasing till there is no more death anywhere in your bodies or in the earth. You've been baptized in the fire of a life that consumes death. That's what you've been baptized into. Let us think of that baptism. 
Let us think of the, the life that consumes death to the uttermost. How it will separate death from you and how it hath separated death from you and how that death will, he will not repent. He's not just happy separating it from you, but he will not repent till he brings such a plague to that death that that death no longer exists. Glory to God. All your fears, they come from your mind being filled with the life that's in the world. All your fears, that's what they come from. Your mind being filled with the life that's in the world. And do you know why that is? Because the life that's in the world is filled with death. That's why. It's not, it's not like a great mystery. It's not a great mystery. And so what, what, this is what will happen. Man, I just encourage everybody to start talking with God, whether you call that praying or talking, whether you call it thinking, whatever you call it, as you pray with God about what he's done to overcome death in the flesh, let your prayer be about that. Instead of what you think you need God to do, let your prayer now become what he's done to overcome death in the flesh. And as you meditate on how God abolished death, and brought to light immortality in the resurrection of Jesus, what will happen is the love of God will hunt you down. The love of God will hunt you down, and it will be perfected in your heart. It will rebuke the fear that has tried to sting your heart. Your heart will be circumcised from fear, and it will be flooded with the fruit of the Spirit. The peace of God, the peace that passes all understanding, it's found in partaking with God in a life that overcomes death. Do you know why the peace is said to pass understanding? Because the carnal mind can't understand how you could have peace if death come knocked at your door. It can't understand that. It can't understand that. But I tell you what, the peace that you long for, I promise you what you really want is a peace that passes understanding. I promise you, you don't really want a peace that's subject to the world. I used to think that I did. And I used to labor to get God to make everything straight in the world so then I could have peace. Well, then I thought that kind of peace stinks <laughs> because that ain't really peace, right, brother? And so then I realized, no, no, the peace that I'm longing for, the peace that I need, the peace that passes understanding is found in partaking with God in a life that overcomes death in the flesh. It's found in feeding on the word of a life that has conquered the grave. That's where it's found. That's where the peace you want is found. Start talking with God about that. And I promise you, you'll be like Paul. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. And listen, guys, again, when Paul says that, he's not just talking about a warm embrace. Like we think of, she loves me. He loves me. That, that is part of it. But when Paul says nothing can separate me from the love of God, he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about within the love of God is the peace and the love and the joy and the patience and the meekness. Nothing can separate me from that. This death can no longer separate me from that because I see what God done to separate me from death. You worried about your kid's life? Talk to them about the incorruptible seed. Talk to them about that Jesus come with a baptism not made with water are made with man's hands, but he come with the baptism of a life that's a consuming fire and that consumes death. Talk to them about how their life has been kept from the corruption in the world. I promise you, we teach our kids about everything under the sun, about how they can have a good life from this world. All the while, we never talk to them about God manifested in the flesh. 
Glory to God. Thank you, Father, that you are our teacher. Thank you that you've anointed us with the spirit of your life. I just thank you, Father, that fear be far removed from everybody listening to this message, that there become a boldness inside of us, a confidence, even in the midst of a world that's filled with fear and that's perishing. I thank you, Father, that uh, when we see the world that's perishing, we won't see that our life is perishing, but rather we'll see that death is perishing. I thank you, Father, that death, the blood has run out of the body of death. I thank you, Father, that uh, death is dying, that it's not living, that it's not growing, that it's flapping around like a fish out of water because the oxygen has been sucked out of it. I just thank you, Father, that we, the eyes of our understanding can be single and that we could see that death is dead. It's not alive. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I love you guys. I love you guys online. Thank you for watching. God bless you guys.